Thank you for that, Raymond. Uh, there is a sermon outline that uh, hopefully you would have picked up, or maybe you want to use the booklet, or you can go online uh, at gracepoint.org.au slash go slash Lord's Prayer, uh, and the outline should actually be there for you. Uh, let me actually pray for us. Gracious God, we do thank you that you reveal yourself and you speak in and through your word. We do want to pray and ask as we gather as your people, as we sit under your word, we do ask that you might be so gracious as to continue to grant us an understanding of who you are and how we should be praying and approaching you. And I want to ask, Father, that might overflow into our lives, into a life of prayer, so that we might actually experience what it means to walk with you and to be in a deep and meaningful and significant and dependent relationship on you in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Asking for help uh, is one of the most basic things uh, we're taught in life, Uh, and it's actually a good thing. When you need a recipe, you Google it, and you pick up the one that's most rated. Uh, When you are trying to work out whether a restaurant is any good, you know, some of the new restaurants, they open up, and you're wondering whether they're any good, you look up the online reviews. We all do that. Uh, At school, uh, your school teacher, or maybe you are a school teacher, my understanding is that if you're a really, really good school teacher, what happens is you tend to say to the students, if you need help, ask. My understanding is not all school teachers do that because it just means they can't get through their lesson. But generally speaking, they say, if you need help, ask. Don't just sit there uh, because I'll assume you understand that you know what to do. Uh, when you're lost, what's the most obvious thing to do? You ask for directions. Uh, Pauline is here. She'll say, but you never do that, huge." I don't like asking for directions, but, you know, if you don't have anyone to ask, you turn on the GPS or you run to Google Maps on your phone. When you need financial help, you see a financial planner. When you have a medical condition, you see a doctor. Now, pause with me for a moment. Take a step back, right? When you think of life like that, you begin to realize there isn't a day that goes by where you and I are not running to someone or something for help. No one lives in absolute the independence, right? No one lives in absolute independence. There isn't a waking moment in life where you are not dependent on something or someone. It's true for all of us. You're dependent on the bus and trains coming to get you to work on time. You're dependent on the air you breathe to give you life, even right now. Uh, you're dependent on uh, Wi-Fi to allow you to access information and to work each day. Uh, you're dependent on the work of others so that you can actually complete the work that you have to do. Uh, You're dependent on our institutions, right, to actually make sure they don't actually disclose your private information. And unfortunately, that's not gone well for the last few weeks. Uh, You're dependent on the banks to handle your accounts, your purchase, your payments. You're dependent on the weather, just the whole outdoor stuff. In all of life, we are dependent creatures. We are not independent creatures. And prayer, according to Jesus, is the practice of daily dependence on God alone for everything in life, right? Let me say that again. Prayer, according to Jesus, is the practice of daily dependence on God alone for everything in life. And that's no surprise because you will only depend, you will only depend only on who you think is great enough to meet your need. You will only depend on who you believe has the power to meet your need in life. 
Or who you think has the power to protect you? Who you think has the power to provide for you? Who you think is able to give you the love that you need and the security that you need to give you the peace that you're looking for? Who you believe has the power to carry you in all of life circumstances? And that's why Jesus teaches us, it's so important that he teaches us, notice verse 9, prayer begins or it starts with understanding who it is you are praying to. Because who it is you're praying to gives you confidence and assurance. And the first thing he wants us to know is that when you pray, when you speak, when you look up, he says, remember that God is a Father who loves you, who is committed to you, completely committed to you. And God is actually not just a Father who loves you, but God is a Father whose rule is, whose throne is enthroned in heaven. It means He rules over all, even the circumstances you find yourself in. He's greater and He's more powerful than the situations you find yourself in. And so, God is, as it were, holy. It means there is no one like Him in love and commitment to you and power over the circumstances you find yourself in. He is holy. There's no one like Him. Which means that His rule, when His rule comes, or when His rule um, exercises itself in our lives, it means we will experience blessing and security and love and kindness all the things that we're actually looking for because God's rule is good and it brings what we most desire. Now, if, it's, if that's true, then it follows here in this verse, if you have a look with me uh, at verse 11, it follows that it is therefore to Him we must look because He alone is able to supply and meet all our needs in life. It follows we must therefore be totally and completely and absolutely dependent on Him because He alone is able to meet all our needs. So notice what Jesus says in verse 11, each day learn to prayerfully depend on God, your Father in heaven, to meet your daily needs. Give us today our daily bread. You see there? That's the logic as we move to verse 11. And so the first thing Jesus says is learn to pray today, daily. He says, notice, give us today our daily bread. Jesus assumes that you and I will Prayerfully depend on God each day. Prayer is actually the daily posture of a dependent heart. Okay? You know, we all say we are people who want to depend on God. Well, prayer is the daily posture of a heart that depends on God. Notice Jesus assumes that we will be a praying people. And here you find that he assumes that you will pray daily. Not just when you come to church on Sunday. Not just at the end of community groups once a week. Uh, not just, you know, what you do when you tack on uh, Thanksgiving at the, end of, uh, at the start of your meal, right? Dependence on God, he says, is a daily affair. Not just when you think you need Him, not just when things are going wrong in your life, but daily. Why? Because you will always need Him. There isn't a wake, any waking moment of your life that you do not need God's provision. So why pray daily? Well, here's the first thing. Praying daily is an indicator always, of who you worship and who you're depending on in life, okay? So that's the first thing. Praying daily is an indicator of who you worship and who you're depending on in life. Now, I've said this repeatedly here, here at morning church and here at evening church. Uh, worship is not a religious thing. We often think, oh, you know, worship, that's a religious thing. Uh, secular people, you know, when they hear the word worship, oh, they think, oh, that's what religious people do. But worship is not a religious thing because everyone is a worshiper. Why? Why? Everyone worships something or someone in their lives. 
And so Christian or not, everyone is a worshiper in life. And I've shared this before. Uh, the author David Foster Wallace, who's not a Christian, uh, he writes, in the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there is no such thing as atheism, right? What he's saying is that in, in everyday life, there's, there's no such thing as someone who does not believe in God, which is kind of interesting coming from someone who doesn't believe in God. Uh, he says there's no such thing as not worshipping. Now, why does he say there's no such thing as someone who doesn't believe in God? He says it's because there's no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships, i.e., everybody worships something or someone. Now, his point is that everyone, whether you're religious or not a religious person, worships what they consider a God in their life. Something they believe will give them meaning in life when they're lost. Something they believe is powerful enough to deliver them from the difficult circumstances they find themselves in. uh, Something that will give them the security that they need when they are afraid. Uh, Something that will give them the love that they desire that they don't have. Uh, Something that will give them hope in their lives when the future is uncertain. And so, he says, even if you're not a religious person, a secular person, even someone who doesn't believe in God, you're also a worshipper of something or someone in your life. And, and that something or someone is your God. You are ascribing power to it and you are looking to it, right? To give you the security and the peace and hope and kindness and love, whatever you're looking for in life. Sometimes we look for it in our work. Sometimes we look for it in our relationships, in our achievements. Oh, you know, so we want recognition at work. Uh, maybe it's academic success, maybe it's our pay grade, maybe it's our wealth, our in, uh, personal pursuits. Uh, in fact, if you pause with me for a moment, everyone in this room, me included, we live our lives in, in the constant daily pursuit of certain things. Why do we live our lives in the constant daily pursuit of certain things? We do it because we believe they are great and powerful enough to meet our needs in life, to give us our daily bread. So I don't know if you realize this, you are already praying each day at a variety of altars in your life, a variety of altars that you believe are great enough, powerful enough to meet your needs, whatever those needs are. Uh, What you have made your daily obsession, uh, the enthroned priority in your life that shapes everything in your life that you consider uh, uh, supremely great in your life, that's what you are praying to already. That's why some of us, we work so hard. That's why our life is consumed with busyness. It's because most of us, we are living our lives in the relentless pursuit of something, an altar that we believe will actually meet our need for daily bread. Something that will give us the significance we want or the satisfaction or happiness we desire uh, or the security we're looking for. Now, Jesus says, look to God your Father in heaven for your daily needs. Uh, Stop worshipping at all these other altars in your life because you have a heavenly Father who loves you, whose love for you is incomparable. You have a heavenly Father in heaven whose throne and whose rule extends over all, who's powerfully for you, whose power is unmatched, and He's for you. Depend on Him for your daily bread, for all your daily needs. And so that's why I said prayer is an indicator of who you're worshipping in life and who you're depending on in life. In fact, your prayer life, or lack thereof, is a reflection of the flag that reveals your colors in life, isn't it? 
the God you belong to or the God you are looking to to meet your needs. Your prayer life or your lack of prayer life tells you what is the altar you are bowing to, whose greatness you are anchoring in, whose voice actually matters to you. You cannot foster a heart dependence on God without fostering a daily life of prayer expressing dependence on Him. Right, people, you know, we we tend to talk about how we want to depend more on God. Well, you can't grow in dependence on God if you're not fostering a a life where you're prayerfully depending on Him each day. And so the Christian life, if you've never realized this, is not one of growing independence, but growing dependence. Did you hear that? The Christian life is not one of growing independence, but growing dependence. Growing to find all your needs more and more, each day more and more, growing in a closer walk with Him. A closer walk with Him. You know, like the hymn that some of you are familiar, depending on what kind of church you brought up, uh, brought up in, Closer Walk with Thee. It goes like this. The hymn goes, I am weak, but Thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong temptations each day. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk, but let me walk closer to Thee. Just a closer walk with Thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to Thee. Let it be, dear Lord, let it be. That's the picture of the Christian life. That's the picture of the Christian life. And so let me say this again. The Christian life is not one of growing independence, but one of growing dependence, growing to find your provision and your protection, your every need met more and more each day in Him. And, and you know, when you turn to the pages of the Old Testament, the Psalms in particular, you discover in so many of the Psalms, the, Psalms, the psalmist repeatedly tells us that, that everything he desires, the, the, the rest, uh, the security, uh, the peace, it's all found in Him alone. Uh, Psalm 62, verse 1 and 2 is there in your outline. You might want to look it up later this week. Psalm 62 reads, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. Repeatedly, the psalmist actually tells us that. Peace is found in God alone. Rest is found in God alone. Strength is found in God alone. Security is found in God alone. Salvation in all of life is found in God alone. And so understand this. Prayer is actually an indicator of who is the ultimate object of worship in your life. That's why I keep coming back to Romans chapter 1, verse 21 to 23, right? That great passage, Romans 21, chapter 1, verse 21 to 23. And I keep coming back to that because it's so important for us to understand that at the heart of our sin is idolatry. And idolatry is the creation of God substitutes in our lives. Right? Why, why does Romans chapter 1, 21 to 23 actually tell us, tell us that we are foolish? Because it says, in our foolishness of hearts, what do we do? We turn and we worship the created things. Instead of worshiping God in His glory that is in His infinite love, uh, and in His unmatched power, we turn instead and we glorify, that is, we worship things made in the image of the creation. And so Romans chapter 1, 21, 23, we're not looking at it tonight, it's a constant reminder to us that there are God-like things all around us in our lives. 
God-like things all around us, God substitutes all around us. And what happens is that because there are God-like things all around us in our lives, often what we do is we ascribe to them power. We ascribe to them worth and value. And, because, and as we do that, what we tend to do is we look to them to find our provision and our protection. We look to them to find our salvation in our struggles and suffering. And so every day, if you've never realized this, every day in your life, what lies before you is always an array of God-like substitutes that are constantly saying to you, depend on me, trust me, I can rescue you, I can satisfy you, I can give you the love that you want, I can give you the security that you desire. And so you and I, one of two things happens in our lives, we are either going to run and we're going to pray at the altar of those images made to look like the true God in His love and greatness, or we run and we look to worship at the other altars in life in the form of our money and our wealth and our power and our toys and our relationship and property and stuff. That's what happens. We either worship the true God or we worship substitutes. Now, in particular, this tends to happen when we experience heat in our lives, right? Uh, When things are not going well in our life, when we're struggling, when we experience suffering, you know, when home life and marriage is hard, when you feel excluded, when you're anxious, uh, you know, like, you know, if you're a parent like Chong, you know, when the kids are, are too much and they're overwhelming, um, you know, when we experience disappointment, when our expectations are not met, when work life is unfair, right? So what happens is when you experience heat in life, your heart always cries out in prayer. The heart will then look for an altar to bow to, to worship for salvation, functional salvation. And, and the big question you've got to ask is, when there's heat in your life, to whom will you cry out and where will you bow? To whom will you cry out, where will you bow? Because what or who you look to is your God functionally in life. The daily heat and pressures in life always reveals where you will run. And so if the first part of call is not prayer to Him, then it is always to something or someone else. And that something to someone else is an idol, is a God substitute in your life, in my life. And when that happens, it reveals who is really the object of your prayer, your dependence, your trust, your worship in life. And so where you look to each day reveals who is God in your life. Praying daily is an indicator of who you're worshiping and who you're depending on in life each day. So let me uh, suggest an application, right? To, to foster a heart dependence on God means learning to give time, learning to make time to pray each day. Some of you are going, oh, that's not rocket science. Well, it's not meant to be rocket science, right? How do you foster a heart dependence on God? Well, you make time and you give time to praying each day. Now, it's not about how long you pray. It's not even about how many words you use. Because remember what Jesus said in verse 5, right? Jesus told us that the problem with, and He's already told us, this is the problem with long and wordy praise. It's not about how long you pray. It's not about the words that you use. What you've got to learn to do is to learn to foster a heart dependence on God in prayer. And to do that, you've got to make time to pray, okay? Part of your life, make it your first port of call, your first response in any and every situation. That's that's a good application, isn't it? Uh, God, my Father in heaven, your love for me and your power over my circumstances are unmatched. You are holy. There's none like you in love for me and, and, and who is powerfully committed to me. 
And so, to you I run, to you I pray in the situation, in the circumstance I find myself in. Not to Facebook to rant and rave about how bad things are. Not to your girlfriends to affirm your worth. Not to your mates to drown your sorrows. Not to online shopping to feel better, Jaden. Not to another bag of chips to get you true. Not to Netflix to distract you. Not to gaming online to feel better. No. Pray first to your Heavenly Father. That's what we're called to do. So let me encourage you this week, right? Survey the landscape of your life. Where you are experiencing heat in life, okay? And there are many, aren't there? Things that are not in your control, your work, your relationships, your finances, your studies, if you're a parent, your kids. Jesus says, stop looking at these things and start looking up to the one who is greater and more valuable than your situation, the one who loves you and is committed to you and who is powerfully for you in the circumstances you find yourself in. Look to Him and do it daily. Okay? Now, the second thing Jesus says is to pray daily, pray today, notice, for daily bread. Can you see there in verse 11? Depend on Him to meet your daily needs. And, and that's what daily bread is, okay? What you need each day. Jesus is not saying, pray literally asking for food, right? Jesus is not saying, you know, say grace each day. That's what this verse is saying. No, 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 it's not that. Food is included in what you need. Jesus is saying, pray for your needs each day. It's, it's really a prayer that sort of like captures the idea that we are to depend on God, to ask Him to provide for all our needs each day. Notice Jesus says, depend on Him for your every need each day. He, Jesus does not say, pray for life's luxuries. He doesn't say, pray for superabundance. And He does not promise that either. It's important to understand this. The promise of Jesus is that He will give you, like a heavenly Father, a good Father, He will give you what is good, what is sufficient for your need in your circumstances. That's what He promises to give. I'll have a quick look at me what Jesus says about asking and seeking because later on in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 to 10, Jesus again speaks of prayer, right? And some people have abused or misused this passage on prayer. Uh, later on, uh, Matthew 7, verse 7 to 10, I'll read that for us. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks find, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Most people actually read that and that's all they read. Right? And they say, oh, that's great, isn't it? Look what Jesus says. Jesus says, ask, it'll be given to you. Uh, seek, you'll find, knock, and the door will be open to you. Whoa, guess what? It's 160 million lotto this week, isn't it? One of the largest, you know, right now. Ha, oh, Jesus says, ask, it'll be given to you. I ask, 160 million. And guess what? It'll be given to me. Seek, you'll find. I'm going to claim the promises of Jesus. Well, that's not what this passage is saying, because look what he says in verse 9. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? The idea is God is a heavenly father who will give you what is good. He'll give you what is good. Okay? He doesn't, he's not saying that he's going to give you life's luxuries or superabundance. He'll give you what is good, what is enough. And so when you ask, he will only give what is good. But good doesn't mean that he will do everything you want him to do. You and I know this, right? Being given everything is not always a good thing. Isn't that right? 
being given everything is not always a good thing. Think with me for a moment, okay? Um, you go out socially with your friends. You go to a bar, and you notice there's actually a challenge on the bar that actually says, uh, if you can down a bottle of Jagmeister in two minutes, 20 bucks for you, and you don't have to pay for the bottle. Huh, like Lee's going, whoa, wow, is that true? Yeah, it is. Actually happened. Okay? And you sort of go, and your mates around you, and they're going, oh, yeah, that's good. 35% alcohol content, by the way. And they said, oh, that's good. Yeah, go for it, Jaden. Go for it. Fill yourself up with it, right? Now, that's not a good thing. I can tell you why, because it leads to alcohol poisoning. And if you don't believe me that someone would do that, that's what happened in July this year. A couple of guys went to the bar. The challenge was up there. One of the guys, at the encouragement of his friends, they, he downed the entire bottle of Jagmeister. Two minutes, 25-year-old. He died an hour after that doing that from alcohol poisoning. See, being given everything is not a good thing. Um, your kids, right? And, and this one, you know, if you've got younger brothers and sisters, you know, when they're small, or, or, you know, I can imagine Chong over here taking Eva to Costco, and it's like, you know, she sees the one kilo uh, container of jelly beans, and she says, Daddy, 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 can I have those jelly beans? And Chong actually says, yeah, no worries. It is, I'm a good father. Here is my gift to you. Eat as much jelly beans as you want. Fill yourself up. Well, that's not a good thing, is it? See, in all of life, getting what you want is not always a good thing. Jesus says the promise is that your heavenly Father will give you what is good. Ask, and He'll give you what is good. So, why pray for daily bread? Well, number one, praying for daily bread is, is a reminder that we cannot live a day without God's daily provision. We can't. We cannot live a day without God's daily provision. It's a reminder to us that we are to live dependent on Him for everything in our lives, at work, in our studies, for our success, for our flourishing in the workplace, for provision, for wisdom, in our decision-making, for all of life, in all of life. It's a reminder to us that we actually cannot live a single day without Him. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 3 reminds us that God sustains us by the powerful Word of His Son. Life is sustained by the powerful Word of His Son, right? Uh, let me give you another example. There's a couple from the Psalms there in your outline, but Psalm 31, verse 14 and 15, the psalmist says, but I trust in you, O Lord. Why? I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Church, your life is in God's hands. It is not in your hands. Your future is not in your hands. They are in His hands. You are finite. You are dependent uh, you are not a self-sufficient being. There are so many things in your life upon which you are dependent on that gives you the success and the flourishing that you need and you desire. All things are kept and provided for by God's mercy and grace. So it's a good thing to pray, isn't it? Because it acknowledges that. It keeps us humble. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a good thing to pray, not just once a day. Even more times is better to remind ourselves in our trials, our challenges, our struggles, in our tiredness, in our disappointments, in our workplaces, in the meetings we attend, on the bus and on the train. It's good to remind ourselves that our times, our health, our prosperity, our success, our work, you know, our children, our business, our very existence is in His hands. Our food and all the necessary things of life come from Him. And we depend on His grace 
and His mercy each day. And so praying for daily bread is a reminder to us that we cannot live a day without God's provision. Now, I want you to notice Jesus doesn't say, look to your daily bread to satisfy you. Do you notice that? He doesn't say, uh, look to daily bread because daily bread's going to satisfy you. He says, look to Him to satisfy you with daily bread. Notice the order, look to Him to satisfy you with daily bread. The focus, you know, but, but for us, I want you to notice that the focus, even when we ask God for stuff, is often on daily bread. It's not always on the one to whom we pray to. We tend to actually depend more on God's provision than on God. And so, you know, the great temptation in prayer, if you've never realized this, is sometimes our focus is on the daily bread, that our daily bread will save us. Do you know that you can actually sin when you pray? Isn't that a novel thing to think, that you can actually sin when you pray? And and again, that is always at the heart of sin, isn't it? We run to daily bread. We look to have our provision and needs met in the lesser, in the variety of bread in our lives, if you could put it that way, that somehow what we ask God for, we believe, will give us the security we need, that this bread will make me successful, that this bread will comfort me. Well, no, no, no. The bread comes from the bread maker, doesn't it? And so we got to learn to stop looking at the bread and start looking to the bread maker. Your Father in heaven, if I could put it like this, is the bread maker. And that's why I said last week, don't pray because God is useful to you. Pray because God is beautiful. Because God is a God who loves you, whose love is incomparable. Pray because God is a God who is powerfully in control and is for you. He's loving and powerful. A God is desirable because of His unmatched love and commitment to you. It's His goodness and greatness that should drive us to Him. I mean, it'll be awful, isn't it? You know, if you ask, you know, Eva's now about, how old is she, Chong? She's five, right? Let's say she's 12, right? Six years from now, uh, six, seven, seven years from now, right? I can't, can't do my maths, it's lousy. Uh, she comes up to Chong and she says, you know, Dad, I love you because you're useful. Imagine, imagine, imagine a daughter thinking like that. It would be terrible, right? You'd be like, wow, that's just appalling, right? But you know, sometimes we treat God like that. The only reason why we run to Him is because He's useful, not because He's desirable, not because there's anything in Him we admire, because, not because there's anything in Him we love, right? That's mercenary, isn't it? And you, know, and you sort of think, wow, you know, that will be awful, right? And you know what? Sometimes we do that when it comes to God. And so remember that. But here's the second thing. Praying for daily bread teaches us to seek and be content with what we need, okay? The second thing I want you to notice is that Jesus never says, pray for what you need. Instead, He says, pray He doesn't say pray for what you want, sorry. He says don't pray for what you want. He says pray for daily bread, what you need each day. There's a difference between what you want and what you need. Praying for daily bread teaches us to seek and be content with what we actually need. And God knows what we need as our Heavenly Father. Notice Jesus says depend on God and ask Him to meet your daily needs, which means I'm not asking God for abundance. I'm not asking God for less. I'm actually learning to pray God, just give me what I need in my struggles, in my trials, in my pain, in my loneliness, in my studies, in my parenting, in my marriage, in my work. That's, the, that's what Jesus is saying. Here's the reason why the wise Christian will ask for what they just need or what they sufficiently need to guard their hearts from idolatry. 
right? The wise Christian will only ask for what they need because they want to guard their hearts from idolatry. That's why the first Bible reading from Proverbs is so significant, the one that Raymond read. In fact, uh, Proverbs 30, verse 7 to 9, is just one of those Bible verses that we should all memorize, right? You know, he says, the, 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 the wise man and the wise woman always says in their prayer, two things I ask of you, O Lord, and notice in Proverbs 30, verse 79, he says, what are the two things he asked for? He says, please, God, do not refuse this to me before I die. He says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Help me to be a man or woman of integrity. My words, that my words might always be true, that my life might be blameless, that what I say and what I teach uh, might be consistent with the way I live. So he says, keep falsehood and keep lies from me, Right? So that's the first thing the wise man or woman or the wise Christian man or woman prays. Help me to be a man or woman of integrity. And then he says, what's the second thing he says? But also give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me only daily bread. Don't make me too rich. Don't make me poor. Give me just sufficiently what I need. Why? So that my heart might be guarded against idolatry. Why? Because if I have too much, I will disown God. I will think that I'm a self-made man or woman, and I will say, who is the Lord? I've done it by myself, but don't make me poor because I might steal. I might become greedy and desire more and do stuff that I shouldn't do and so dishonor the name of my God. Two things. Why ask for daily bread and not more? Well, too much, and I'll make much of my abundance. Too little, and I'll look elsewhere. In both cases, I end up running away from God my Father, and I run to something else. Idolatry, if you have never realized this, is always at the door of your heart. That's worth noting down. Idolatry will always be knocking at the door of your heart for the rest of your life as a Christian. And that's the reason why the Proverbs are actually there. The desire for bread can sometimes displace the bread maker, the source and provider of that bread. You know, that was actually the problem with uh, the Old Testament people of God, Israel, in the wilderness. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, I'll, I'll just quickly go through it with you. I didn't get to do it in morning church because, um, you know, we have to finish at a certain time. I will finish on time, so don't worry. Exodus 16, right? If you have your Bibles, go with me to Exodus 16. Exodus 16 is, is a familiar passage to so many of you. It's a story of Israel in the wilderness, and they are grumbling. Uh, that's one of the things that the Old Testament people of God, every time you read an Old Testament passage, they're grumbling. Uh, they're always grumbling because they're never happy in life. And you sort of think, why does God even bother with them? What does God do in response to their grumbling? In His mercy, He rains down bread from heaven, and then they're given instruction to gather what they need for the day. Not for tomorrow, but for the day, okay? So Exodus, Exodus 16, uh, verse 4, God responds to their grumbling. He says, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day, gather enough food for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they follow my instructions. And so, why are the instructions so specific? Only gather what you need for each day. Okay? Why is it so specific? Uh, now, if you go on to verse 8, Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when He gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because He has heard your grumbling against Him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against Him, but against the Lord. So they're grumbling. Um, God actually provides food and He wants to test them. Gather only enough so that you might learn to live and walk and depend on God each day. 
so that you might see that He can and He will provide for your daily needs. The lesson in the wilderness was to teach the people of God to keep coming back each day again and again and again to see that God is going to actually provide for their daily needs so that you might continue to magnify His greatness and His goodness in your lives each day as you experience the joy of His provision. Now, the problem with Israel in Exodus 16 is that they trusted the bread more than the bread maker. And so, if you read Exodus 16, what you discover as you go on is that they gathered and then they stockpiled. Ha! Better gather extra because tomorrow maybe there's no bread. And they stockpile, you know, like stupid children thinking, well, this is it. There's no more after this, right? Forgetting that mom and dad have a pantry full of delights that satisfy, right? This morning I said that um, when our kids are teenagers, I'd buy chips, uh, and one of our children would always take the chips uh, and put it in her room. Now you know which one. Uh, (laughs) Would put it in her room. And, and I used to say, why do you do that for? And, you know, and she was always concerned that the other child uh, would actually eat up the chips, and so she would actually take it. And, and I would say to her quietly, I'd say, why, why are you so worried for, right? Because you know, if we run out of supplies, I'll go down the road, and you can have as much chips as you want. One of the parents actually had a chat with me after that and said, oh, you shouldn't have said that in the morning service, Huge, because now some of the teenagers there are thinking, wow, look, look, look Dad, you know, Huge said... His daughter could eat as much chips as he wants and just let him know, and he'll go down the road, and like God, the generous father, he'll supply an endless supply of chips. And so one of the parents said, when you said that, my daughter was thinking, oh, can you do that, mom? Be the endless supply of chips. And I said, oh, sorry. I'll correct that maybe next week, right? But, But we are like that, right? We sort of think, why are we stockpiling when God, our Father, has a pantry full of everything that we need in life? It, it just makes no sense, right? Uh, verse 13 and verse 14 of Exodus 16, it actually says, there is such abundance that it covers the desert floor. There is such abundance, it covers the entire desert floor. Manna in the morning, quail in the evening. And then verse 19, verse 20, we read that Israel stockpiled. They were not content with God's provision for each day. And that's why Proverbs 30, verse 7 to 9 is such a great prayer, isn't it? Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. It's a prayer you pray through your life. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Help me to be a man or woman of integrity. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Just give me enough daily bread each day. Otherwise, if I have too much, I'll disown you and I'll say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and dishonor the name of my God. So pray that God will give you just enough so that tomorrow you keep coming back to Him for your daily needs. Just enough daily bread for me and my children and my family to keep coming back each day. My workplace, give me enough to to cope with the workplace. You know, when people backstab me as I get overlooked for the work I do, as I face, you know, in life, as I face the challenges of friendship or peer pressure, or image pressure. God, just give me enough daily bread to deal with this. Provide for me just enough so that tomorrow I'll come back and be dependent on you. It's a good prayer to pray, isn't it? Fostering a heart dependence on God means learning to pray each day for your daily needs. Wherever you are, whatever circumstances 
you find yourself in. And so here's a very practical application, right? Learn to ask not for much or too little. Ask for just enough so that you can be thankful, right? Ask for just enough so that your heart might not wander. Uh, Ask for just enough, God, meet my needs so that I will not sin. Ask for just enough so that I might not be overconfident. Ask for just enough so that the affections of my heart are not stolen by answered prayers. I want just enough so that I can come back tomorrow and find myself again depending on God and waiting for Him to meet my need each day. It's effectively saying to God each day in your prayers, I just want to know the joy and delight of receiving from your hand each day. You know, that's actually called a growing faith, isn't it? That's learning to trust God each day. You know, you want to learn to trust God each day? Well, you learn to trust God each day, not by praying one prayer and then coming back five days later, but by praying each day and depending on Him each day for your daily needs in everything. And so survey the landscape of your circumstances at work. There are many needs, aren't there? Things not in your control, your work, your relationships, your finances. Jesus says, stop looking at these things and start looking at the one who loves you, who is powerful enough to meet your needs each day. And each day, ask him for just enough to get you through it. And he'll do it. This week, let me encourage you to foster daily dependence on your Father in heaven. Pray each day doesn't have to be long, in your circumstances, in the heat, in your struggles, in your family, in the morning each day, pray, give us this day our daily bread. Bring your needs and ask Him to give you just enough so that you keep depending on Him. Maybe make Proverbs 30, verse 7 to 9 your prayer this week. It's a good prayer, isn't it? Two things I ask of you, O Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies from me. Make me a man or woman of integrity in my workplace, in my relationships. Make me a man or woman who reflects godliness. But then pray, give me neither poverty nor riches. Don't give me too much. Don't give me too little. Give me only my daily bread, just what I need to get through. Otherwise, I'll have too much and become overconfident and disown you. Or maybe I might become too poor and then become greedy and steal and go to places I shouldn't go and so dishonor you. So pray, give us this day our daily bread. Let me pray for us and then we'll see. Gracious God, we want to come to you in a spirit of repentance because we are idol worshipers. We spend most of our waking moments looking to, depending on, and bowing down at many altars in our life people, places, positions that we ascribe God-like power to, that we look to, to meet our needs in life. For that, we are sorry, we repent. Help us instead to look to you, our Father in heaven. Help us see that you love us deeply. As we look at the cross, help us to be overwhelmed by the love of Jesus for us. But help us also see that You are a God who is enthroned in power, in control over all, which is why we can come to you in confidence and assurance. Many of us, we struggle with things in our lives and we spend every waking moment of our lives looking for our needs met in the wrong places, so forgive us. Help us today look to you to find our needs met. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen.